This is the Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast, hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Today we're talking about a controversial issue that is happening in Iowa, and that is related to the bloody run topic that is related to the cattle feed lot that is going in. To start out, I want to give some credit for some people who have already wrote on this topic, and that goes out to grist.com wrote an article. The Iowa Public Radio wrote an article as well as published a little segment talking about this, and also the Des Moines Register where I'm pulling some other information from. And then also there's a, come some other fishing groups that I'm a part of that I was just recently informed of this, and it's something I've not neglected but not been aware of. I need to give some credit to those people who are out there you know, on the ground floor doing some grassroots stuff to fight for this, and I'll give credit and all those article links in the description if you want some more information. So one of the reasons why Tyler and I want to start this podcast and this brand was in some cases, you know, it was, it's not always just, you know, talking about the next greatest hunting adventure or fishing adventure. You know, you got to talk about issues that are revolving around that as well. And those, those topics are never easy and there's never usually a clear cut answer. There's somebody that's always going to get burned one way or the other. And certainly trying to hopefully create some awareness to the issue because I didn't, I didn't know about this and it's been happening for a while. Yeah. And you know, that's something that I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that get swept underneath the rug when it comes to, I think about the Midwest in general, just cause we, you know, we don't have as much tourism maybe coming in as far as like hunting and fishing as some other States do, which is, which is good for the residents, you know? But it's one of those things where if we don't get that much national news, it's kind of hard to, you know, have everybody see this issue and think about this issue. Hopefully we can create more awareness behind the issue and kind of explain what the issue entails. Yeah, what the issue entails, you know, it's one thing to talk about an issue, but we should also, you know, being able to provide a solution for that issue and like an actual actionable items that you can take to help fight for this issue. And that's, that's what we want to do. And, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more topics that kind of come around this. I think, you know, one issue that Tyler and I want to touch on too is the topic of deer farms. Um, Minnesota's got some legislation that wants to go through for banning all deer farms. So, you know, it's a CWD issue, chronic wasting disease issue that we can all talk about. So, you know, I think, you know, this is something that we're not trying to take a stance. You know, we obviously want better fishing and hunting. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, we're not trying to take a, dedicated stance or a hardcore stance you know we really want to just inform you topics and these thoughts are just what we think and you know that you can think your own thing you can dispute with us and we'll be happy to dispute with anybody and just talk about it so yeah hopefully i mean someone someone listening can create their own opinion off of what we talked about that's kind of the whole goal of it not to certainly like really jab in one side of the issue. Yeah. And like, I don't want anybody to think about this as like a lecture. I mean, like this should be as open a discussion as any other thing. So I think that's, that's what we're trying to aim for. And, you know, we're just going to talk about some information that got brought up in these articles and what our opinion of, of it is. So. Yeah. Because most of our podcasts from the beginning have kind of been more fun, more, I mean, some informational podcasts and Hopefully start doing a little more controversial issues. Yeah, starting to give the Midwest a little more voice. So So let's highlight the issue of this podcast. Um, Like Ethan said, a new cattle feedlot is coming near a stream designated to be 
outstanding Iowa water, which is the Bloody Run River. Bloody Run Creek, yep. Bloody Run Creek, sorry. And yeah, it's only 6.5 miles long of trout water. Pretty long, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of trout water. And like Tyler said, that's outstanding Iowa water, which is something that the Iowa DNR bestows upon a body of water. And there's actually only 34 waters, bodies of water that are like this in Iowa, which is pretty crazy. I mean, I know when Iowa, people don't always think about, you know, lakes or rivers in Iowa, but we do have quite a bit. Yeah, we do have quite a bit. And 34, only 34 bodies of water that are outstanding. Really can't afford to lose much more. No, no. And yeah, that, I'm sure that number is definitely more going down, trending down than it is up. So, yeah, so this is a lot of trout water. You know, there's a lot of other wildlife that, you know, uses this area, obviously, such as white-tailed deer, turkeys, migratory birds. You got your cranes, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, it's a whole ecosystem there. And a lot of things thrive off that ecosystem. Yeah, and for someone just to come in and put a cattle feedlot in with, without, like we said before, without anybody really knowing about it. Yeah or not much discussion was made with the community about putting a feedlot in like this. Yeah. And we won't necessarily get into more. There was a lot more uh, investigative journalism that was done in those articles that I mentioned. And we'll be in the podcast notes about how this went through the legislative process, like this proposal. And it kind of raised some questions about how it went through. And there's some pretty big what ifs and some ties that can kind of leave somebody wondering, you know, what actually did happen. And, we're not here to speculate on that more so just about kind of provide you the facts and more so about like Tyler said, you know, you can formulate your own opinion upon those Supreme beef LLC was the company bringing all these cattle in. Yep. That's the company. Bringing and it was in. proposed to around 10,000 cattle or yeah, I think that was the number I read. Yep. That's the number you read. Yep. And that, that creates a lot of manure along the stream. Whole lots. I mean, I think in the article it said 35 million gallons. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty big number to comprehend. Yeah. I wish I had that number off the top of my head about like, like the average pool size, you know, like if you think about a pool, like how many gallons are in it, but obviously they proposed a plan to control all this manure or like where it's going, what's happening to it. But I mean, there's a lot of issue of manure running off into streams. Yeah. And I think that's the core of the issue. And, you know, they're saying, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this. and and that kind of comes into, you know, are they doing all the things that can control this? And maybe they are, but then there's always the what if of a catastrophic event. And the best way to avoid a catastrophic event is to not put that feedlot there. Yeah, not put the feedlot there. And, you know, and when people say catastrophic event, you know, that could be flooding, you know, and it, it really, you know, there's runoff that always happens. So any runoff like that, that would happen you know, could be detrimental to a stream like that. And, you know, the Bloody Run Creek is such a good stream, you know, clear water. Yep. Clear water, good trout fishing. It's hard to see something like that get affected or get impacted greatly by a cattle farm going in beside it. And, you know, that's that's the thing. And I think before we touch on that, you know, you know, cattle has an impact on the river and we are really fortunate in Iowa there's a thing called easements, which easements allow us to go on to private land and it opens it up to only fishing. You can only do fishing there, nothing else, no hunting, no nothing like that. And 
good to take all your trash out and respect the private property, of course. But, you know, these cattle pastures that these are happening on, there's not that large of a concentration of cattle. You know, there's no 10,000 cattle pasture out there. You know, that, that's, that's not what's happening. No. You know, a lot of that land is the best trout fishing because, you know, you got a lot of room to yeah. cast your fly and don't get hung up on any trees. And it is pretty nice, but not for 10,000 cattle. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. You know, I understand a lot of people who are out there, you know, trying to make a living, you know, raising cattle. It's definitely not as, definitely never been easy and definitely isn't getting any easier. So, you know, all those people I respect greatly. And that's not who we're pitting a fight against at all. You know, no. it, it's those big corporations. Yeah, big factory farms. Yeah, big factory farms that are really causing the issue. And, you know, in reality, they're making it a lot harder for the small cattle farmer. Yeah, that kind of brings us into our next topic, which is, you know, the balance between wildlife and economy. And this always begs a, a central root question. Does wildlife have an economic value? In terms of like, does it have a value to everybody or like, do they get more of a value that, you know, is there a better value going into the county or the area now that there's a cattle feedlot and, you know, this is just a hypothetical, but now that cattle feedlot has to pay more taxes and has to pay more and, you know, maybe they'll employ, employ more people and that kind of stuff. So, and that's the question. Does it, does that benefit outweigh the natural resource resource such as you know trout deer wildlife in general i mean i guess this can be this topic can be very opinionated yeah but for i mean obviously the guy or, or whoever's running the business you know all for it and i'm sure it makes a lot of money for him and a lot of mo money for the county but at the same time i mean natural resources are depleting and depleting and we need to try our best to protect everything we got. Yep. Because everyone, I mean, even if you love the outdoors, yeah, a lot of this can affect the land that we are able to use. Yep. Not even for fishing or hunting, but just recreational. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that's like, well, you know, maybe they're bringing this X amount of jobs and well, you know, are you also destroying a lot of jobs that are already in the area because of tourism? You know, are you hurting a guide? Are you hurting a, another local business that makes a lot of money with people traveling there to fish. You may, are you hurting, you know, people who are bringing there to, you know, just recreate, you know, not even necessarily fish. Are you hurting people who want to just stay in a hotel there and, you know, enjoy the scenery around the area, but now they're going to have to smell this huge feedlot and there's going to be a lot of other issues that come with it. And, you know, the biggest, what if is, you know, there's all this bloody run isn't going anywhere you know no it will never move from the spot it is of course but the issue is like the feedlot could you know up and leave in 10 years completely move the business could close whatever but now that bloody run has that long lasting impact of that fat cattle feedlot being there yeah because i mean if the cattle farm upped up and left today yeah i mean it would still leave an impact on the creek for a while yes yeah until all that phosphorus runs off unfortunately into the creek and you know eventually makes it down its way and it can replenish itself and kind of nurture itself maybe back to the state it once was yeah and you know i think it's a lot easier it's good headlines if you look at like well this company wants to come to this one area 
that doesn't maybe have as much money coming in or might be in debt and they're like, we need the money and we need more jobs. So obviously it's a benefit, you know, but then I don't think a lot of people necessarily look at the collateral damage it has. Yeah. And that's something that I think everybody needs to be more aware of. You know, I don't know bloody run and I don't know necessarily the economy that goes around it as well as other people do, but I'm sure that's the case. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have seen the area and then definitely don't want it ruined by a cattle feedlot. So, yeah, because I mean, if all it's, all it's hurting is the little guy. Yeah. I mean, from what I read, there really was no discussion on, like I said before, does, you know, as a community, do you want this or not? Yep. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, and it's just a lot of little guys that are getting hurt that can form a majority, but then sometimes can get outweighed by other politicians or just, you know, get strongholded by one kind of corporation, which is kind of happening. I mean, I might be beating a dead horse, but if you look at it as a perspective of like, oh, we're bringing all these jobs to the area, you know, it's great. You know, you always see that people can go and make a living and. I mean, it's great from a perspective like that, but from a small guy's perspective, like, hey, I, you know, I like to fish that stream or I fish that stream quite a bit or, yep. you know, maybe you just like to walk up and down the stream, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that comes back to, like you said, it's, is it sustainable? You know, is it, is what they're going to do sustainable for the long term? And, you know, I probably have to lean on the side of no. Yeah. Cause I mean, can that stream or creek afford to, take on all those all that phosphorus running off from the manure yep and you know that's something i think that a lot of people necessarily need to be more educated about and like understand that it's not you know such a black and white issue it's not all good and it's not all bad so i think you know something that definitely needs to be opened up about and definitely be talked about so yeah for sure you know that can kind of go into our next thing you know and you know, this isn't just us talking from a fisherman's perspective. I mean, this should be an issue of everybody because, you know, Bloody Blood Run, Bloody Run Creek is about, you know, it's a, it's a water quality source for everybody in the area. Yeah. You know, it's, and it is, you know, and all that runoff definitely has negative impacts for other bodies of water within the area as well. So, you know, this can be an issue in the future for a lot of other areas and a good lesson to be learned that like, you know, just because you're isolating, you know, just because this one area has a lot of runoff or might only affect this, it could indirectly affect another thing that you might not be thinking about as well. Yeah, because I mean, not even only the stream being affected, mm-hmm. but on a bigger, bigger, larger scale, I guess you could say, you know, I, in the articles it talked about highly erodible land. So the highly erodible land, you know, fractured limestone and it all creates sinkholes or there's sinkholes in the area, which I mean, eventually all that runoff from the feedlot runs into the, our water source. Yep. And that could be a bigger issue beyond the stream itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where we're just looking at the stream, but then, you know, understanding the bigger picture and the role that it can play in there is definitely important to understand. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, the stream is just, Really, the stream is just a greater example for what could possibly come in the future. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is one of those things that, like, everybody always feels like if it doesn't hit close to home or if it's not, you know, in my neighborhood or county, it's not really my issue. Well, you know, you're also setting a precedent for future issues. Yes. So, you know, 
being able to be informed, you know, and saying like, you know, where do we draw that line on between a water quality source and where a feedlot happens and occurs. And, you know, being able to draw that line and understand that is like something that we have to do as a society and citizens, because otherwise, you know, they're going to keep pushing and pushing and all of us little guys or people are going to have to suffer because of it. Yeah, and potentially it could be become another issue, maybe near me or you or someone listening. I'm going to do a generalization here. It's probably people that are a little older than us, mm-hmm. and that's people who are fighting. But really, at the end of the day, I think more of us should be informed and fighting for it because we're the ones that are going to have to pay for it. You know, the citizens, the residents of Iowa that have been here for, are they going to be here for longer than them, you know, when it comes down to it? Yeah. And then we're going to have kids that hopefully grew up in around this area. and that's something that we have to think about as well, because this is an issue that's not just affecting now, it's affecting in the future as well. Yeah, because in the future, I mean, worst thing that happens, that creek might not be fishable anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I don't want to tell my kid one day. It's like, we go to that stream or go drive by and he goes, well, did you ever fish that stream, dad? Well, I did, but now I can't, you know, and now you yeah. can't and now your kids can't and now nobody used, can. Yeah. It used to be great, but this is what happened. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of that. There could be a lot of that going on if something like this passes under the radar without anybody knowing about it. Yep. And would more people be informed if it was a higher density of people close to it, you know, and I'm not necessarily know all the locations around it, but you know, if this was a place maybe closer to Ames, would it have happened? You know, maybe the fight would have been a little different Mm -hmm. because you know, have a higher density of people. And you have more people who might, you know, fight for the issue just by pure amount of people. Yeah, certainly. I think, like you said, if there was more people in the area, maybe a lot, a, a lot of others would have a different opinion on the issue. Yep. Like, no, we don't want a feedlot, you know, that could affect this, this or that. And I just think it could be a greater issue than it is in a small town or small area like yeah bloody run creek and i think you know a lot of people think that it's only an issue you know in this scenario but you know from my research and our research you know i've learned that iowa has over 100 or over 750 impaired bodies of water and this is from the des moines register that wrote an article in last year of december so if you weigh that scale i mean you're seeing a lot more impaired water than outstanding water. I mean, that's a that's a big difference. That is a big difference, and that is not something that you know. I think they said that that number was down a couple percent. You know, it used to be down like thirty bios of water. So the number is improving, but you know, it's a high number that nobody likes to see. No, because I mean, I get Iowa's praised as being a big agricultural state. Yeah, you know, we produce a lot of corn and soybeans and a lot of cattle and hogs and you know, you, you name it. Yeah. But I mean, our bodies of water are going to suffer. Yeah. And you know, that's another thing. It's, it's like, where does the DNR, you know, keep continuing drawing that line, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like, you know, you have to balance that scale of like wildlife and the economy, you know, where do you draw the line there again? So. Uh, yeah. I just can't believe they let something like this go. Yeah. And, you know, so when I say that over 750 impaired bodies of water, and I guess this is from the Des Moines Register also, 
They defined impaired bodies of water that fail to meet state requirements. And I don't have the full list of state requirements, but the article listed, these are bodies of water that don't support aquatic insects, insects or fish, bodies of water that are desirable to fish or recreational boating. Wow. So, I mean, just dead zone. It's a dead zone. I mean, so you literally have no economic value from that body of water now. You basically no. killed the research. I mean, you don't have anybody coming there to boat, which means your gas stations are suffering. Your restaurants are suffering in the area. You don't got anybody there coming to fish. So the same thing is happening, you know. Yeah, same thing. And I mean, the DNR suffers from that, from, you know, licenses. I, if there was more bodies of water, I guess I maybe this is just my opinion, but I mean, there'd be more people willing to fish. Some of those might have a one of these impaired bodies of water by them. Well, there's no fish there. I'm not going to go fish. I'm not going to buy a license to go fish. Yeah. And then that license sale definitely goes back into the DNR to fund, you know, our natural resources. So then we're going to have less DNR officers. And then, you know, it's just a topple, you know, it's a, it's a domino effect, basically. Yeah. I mean, it all starts at, it all starts somewhere. And, you know, the, that's the thing too, you know, if someone asks, wants to start fishing, one of the first questions I'll get is, where do I even go fishing, you know? And sometimes it, it's kind of also becoming a tougher and tougher question to f- answer because, well, I can tell you a lot of places to go fishing. I don't know if I can tell you many places to actually go catch fish, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's an issue that it kind of comes down to. And, you know, if we're allowing for, you know, these kind of operations to go through closer to the body of waters and impairing bodies of water, I think we're going to see maybe the sportsman culture keep going down and down. I mean, even this is a little off topic, but I mean, even this year alone with the drought and the lakes being affected by it, I mean, there's not around us unless you travel, you travel 30 or 45 minutes. I mean, we have a couple of lakes around yeah. us that are less time travel than that. I mean, they're really not great fishable lakes right now. Yeah, I mean, it was impacted by the drought and because, you know, the water gets so low and then the sun catches the bottom and grows a bunch of weeds up. And yep. I mean, for one, the fish are impacted because lack of oxygen. Yep. A lake near us recently had a fish kill because of lack of oxygen. And then two, I mean, you can't even hardly cast a line in the water without pulling back a pound of weeds each yeah. time. Yeah. Who wants to go fish that, you know? Someone as dedicated as us doesn't want to go fish it. You know, how do we expect a newcomer to go fish it? Or how do we expect anybody to come here to want to fish that? So, and like, you know, that just kind of comes back to just that domino effect that we were just talking about before. And really this year, this time of year, that's kind of why I like to go trout fishing. You kind of get away from all that. Yeah. I mean, the running water keeps all the weeds away and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun catching trout. Well, for one, I don't, I don't own a boat, so you know, being able to fish a creek like that and get to whatever spot you want to. Yep. That's a big deal. And, you know, that kind of goes back to a lot of things. You know, I think that trout are some of the most accessible fish out there if you're willing to travel a little bit. Because like you said, you don't need a boat. So you're not really limited by money. You know, you can go out there with a worm, you know, a, a cheap rod, a bobber and a worm and catch some trout if you want. And then you go on the whole other spectrum and Start tying your flies, tying your own flies, and fly fishing, you know. There's a lot of different routes that you can go with this, which is what makes it a fun path, you know. And I think, you know, trout fishing is a super fun thing to do and something that we should definitely try to preserve in Iowa because 
I think it's just an awesome thing that many people don't think about. I mean, we didn't even know about that growing up because nobody no. even talked about it from where we were from. Uh, nobody talked about it. There was just one guy, John Carlson, who he was like, have you ever been trout fishing? No, I really, you know, never thought about going trout fishing. Yeah. And he kind of introduced it to me and, you know, I love it now. Yeah. It's a lot of fun going trout fishing because like we said, all the fishable shoreline and you don't have to have a boat. And, you know, why I keep bringing up a boat is because in Iowa, it seems like we really don't have a bunch of fishable shoreline around the lake because of so much overgrowth and not necessarily overgrowth, whether it's good for the lake or not. I'm really not educated enough about that, yeah. but I mean, there's only a couple spots you can go fishing, maybe the boat off of the, or the dock off of the boat ramp and that's it. And how many other people are fishing that, you know? Yeah. Where, you know, maybe on a trout stream, if you're willing to walk a little farther than the next guy, you're kind of by a body of water that might not get fished that much throughout the whole year. Because I don't remember what Marco said, our previous guest on this podcast. Was it around 147 miles of fishable stream in Iowa? Yeah. And that's a, and like he said, it's a pretty small number relative to how much we do have access, not necessarily access to, but there is. And that's how much we have access to. But that's a lot of water to fish. I mean, that's definitely beats the amount of walkable shoreline we have, so. Oh, yeah, I would sure like to think so. But, I mean, if you can compare that to a state like Wisconsin or something, I mean, it's a very small number compared to other states like that. But, you know, and like you said, that 147 miles, it's like, well, we lose six and a half miles here with losing Bloody Run if the worst case happened and that stream, you know, went to crap. Well, it might not seem like much, but, like, you keep, you know, slowly beating that number down and dwindling down. Well, pretty easy to see that number goes down pretty quick. Yeah. And I'm saying 147 miles. I'm not for sure if yeah. that's a number. That's what number's popping into my head right yeah. now. But yeah, I mean, that number can go down pretty quick if you factor in, let's say, 6.5 miles. Say all of that's fishable. I mean, that's six miles that no longer, we can no longer fish. Yep. It sounds so upfront and yeah, well, duh, you know, but I mean, that number dwindles down pretty quickly. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that once it's gone, it's gone and it's something we're not going to be able to gain back. Yeah. Because little creeks like that, I mean, like I said before, say the Cadillac moves out. I mean, it's going to take a long time for that stream to maybe be or support trout again. Yep. Or support them to the point where they're wanting to reproduce on their own. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of hit on a lot of stances that we're taking and kind of talking about, you know, just forming the public. Like I said, you know, be sure to go check out those articles that we have mentioned. And that will be in the podcast notes if you want to be more informed on this. But, you know, a lot talking about this is one thing, but we definitely need to take action on it. And that's something that we want to inform people about how to take action. And we're going to take action ourselves to help, you know, fight this issue as well. So, you know, the biggest thing we can first of all do is inform as many people as we can. And, you know, anybody that listens to this, you know, if you don't trout fish, but you know somebody that does, you know, just talking to them about this, you know, it's a, you know, I think that a lot of people that do trout fish might not even be aware of the issue. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and it doesn't have to be people who trout fish and just be people who fish or maybe recreate outdoors or, you know, anybody, you know, I don't think, I don't think anybody would like to see what's claimed by the DNR to be outstanding water be lost because of a feedlot. Yeah. And 
like Ethan said, I mean, if you disagree, you know, send us an email or something. We'd love to hear back from you. Yeah. And discuss this topic even further. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something that, you know, the more people we can educate on and talk about and, you know, we want other issues to be brought forward to us as well. And, you know, this is what we're trying to help reduce other issues in other areas or, you know, I think there needs to be, it, it doesn't need to be a side that's a war against, you know, the good and the bad guys. It, really, at the end of the day, if we're going to get anything done, we got to come together and find a solution that definitely is something that we can all agree on. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise it gets pushed under the rug and yeah, maybe you care, care about it and I don't. Right. And I it, mean, that's not enough. And, it, you know, and it shouldn't be a winner take all situation. You know, it, it should be, you know, we should try to, you know, you want to support both sides, you know, and I know that feedlot, you know, it's definitely not good for the stream, but it might be good for the county in other ways, you know, and, you know, trying to find a, you know, maybe a better spot for, it. and, you know, this is for other areas as well, you know, and this is, should be the DNR and citizens and residents in the area working together to help find a good solution to the problem. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not anti-farm by yeah. any means, yeah. but. I would sure think that there could have been a better solution. And, you know, Tyler and I are, you know, as disclaimed before, we're not experts. You know, we're reading articles and, you know, we're trying to get educated as we can. So if, you know, anybody else can educate us on what is going on with this and, you know, anything that your opinions are or something like that, you know, we're more than happy to hear that. Yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, you know, so... One way you can take action, though, is there's the Sierra Club, which is in Iowa, and they are considering creating a court appeal to stop the feedlot from coming in within, within the area of Bloody Run. So, you know, being able to contact them, and we'll leave some people, leave some contact information in the podcast notes, and just being able to contact them. And, you know, the more support they can see from Iowans, I think, you know, the more they are apt to do something about it. And it just need, it just needs more support. I think it just needs more people aware, you know, and if you're not, you know, even if you don't have an opinion on it, I think just being aware in issues like this is definitely something to be good about. Yeah, because we'll definitely reach out to them and give us, give them our opinion on it. And we just need more of that. And, you know, I think it's one of those things I think a lot of people are so ultra focused on the bigger picture of the United States, you know. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's good to be, you know, you want to care about what's happening in Washington, D.C., or you care about what's happening in California. But, you know, I think the biggest thing you can have an impact on is caring about the area that you're close to and yes. caring about the area that you live in. Yes. So caring about your area of living is definitely getting involved in these topics. And, you know, that could be either way. You know, I think the more people that are involved, the better, you know, and the more different demographics that are involved, minority old you know young anything you know yeah whatever male, female whatever you know that more people involved the better the better discussion we have yeah whatever side you're on whatever opinion you have the more people the better discussion we have yeah yes and i think you know that's something that we all need to be a better sportsman is talking about these issues you know and i, th I think that comes a part of being a better sportsman is being educated and understanding these issues mm -hmm. because hopefully Hopefully, if something like this arises again, we could, you know, I'd hope we'd, they'd have more support to be able to come to a better solution Yep. than just sliding it under the rug and, yep, good to go. Yep. And, you know, that's something that, 
like I said, we're going to keep talking about these issues. And, you know, if, if you don't like them, like Tyler said, contact us. And, you know, this is something that we're passionate about. And you know, we're going to keep talking about these controversial issues because they're controversial and they need somebody to talk about. And I think, you know, trout need advocates. I think wildlife need advocates. I think farmers need advocates. I think everybody needs advocates. So, yep. yeah, I think this is a good little short little podcast, a little primer to the topic and yep so uh thanks again for listening guys and i i want everybody to just remember to stay like you know stay informed and you know fight the fight the fight that you want to fight and you know be willing to take a stance and have a voice you know because i think everybody you know we do live in america and we're fortunate enough to have a voice yep so i think you know using that voice is something that we should all do so thanks for listening guys and i appreciate it um we're gonna have some more uh stickers coming out we got blogs coming out we got some other stuff coming out that i'm super excited for before the hunt season so everybody better stay tuned and check out the great content we're about ready to put out yeah for sure thanks guys